So, before we begin, there's something that I think it's important that I mention. If you've heard the show before, you'll know that I only watch the chosen film after I've recorded part one of the episode. There are, of course, downsides to this approach. When I selected the film for this episode, I had no idea that it might contain gross racial insensitivity and outright racism, as the film presents itself, and largely is, a fairly innocuous, fantasy-tinged rom-com. Anyway, I thought I would flag that up so that you can make an informed decision about whether you want to seek the movie out or not, and are not blindsided the way that we were. Okay, thanks for your patience, and now on with the show. Ali, and this is the Rus Files Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always, I'm joined by a guest, and today I'm once again joined by Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hi, Ali. So, long-time listeners will be very familiar with Carrie, but for those of you just joining us, uh, Carrie, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am Allie's wife. We've been married for quite some time now, and we first met in Moscow. And how did you come to be in Moscow? I had studied Russian language and literature in university and went back after I graduated. Cool. Thanks very much, Carrie. So, um... I should probably also mention that I studied abroad in Russia. My degree is from a U.S. university. Yes. So that hence the going back thing. Uh, an important clarification. Yes, very important clarification. Cool. So the first two years we were doing the podcast, you and I did a festive episode. Um, time kind of ran away from me towards the end of last year, 2019. So we didn't get one. So this one is that we're doing today is kind of a way of making up for that as it's on a like new year's theme but it's also gonna serve as like a valentine's day type episode as opposed to the time we did a valentine's day episode on loveless oh yeah when i decided that it would be funny to epically troll (laughs) you all basically (laughs) ali got free tickets to see that but it was on valentine's day it's an excellent, excellent movie, but it is basically the opposite of a Valentine's Day theme movie. Yeah, it's funny. We were actually literally talking about it earlier today, and I think I described it as being, like, stabbed in the heart with an icicle. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's but... the way watching that movie feels. But it's very well done. Yeah. Recommend it. Um, I mean, maybe I came up with that analogy because I recently watched Die Hard 2 for the first time all the way through over the Christmas break, and spoiler alert, John McClane kills somebody by stabbing them through the eye with an icicle. <laughs> it was, uh, it's a very violent movie, but it was fun watching that with uh, with your dad, Carrie. 
Glad you had a bonding moment. Yeah, we got to the we got to the uh, to the end of the film, and he didn't say this exact term because it's very British English. But basically, he said he said to me that was rubbish, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, but it was fun. He's like, agreed. <laughs> At least that was the gist of the interaction. Gotcha. Um, so we had a fun <laughs> Christmas break. So anyway. The film we're, we're we're watching today is called Muy Parin Angel. Could you give us a translation, Carrie? My boyfriend is an angel. Cool. Yes. Um, and a little bit about the word parin. It could be just like a guy or a young guy, or it could be boyfriend. Yeah. So literally, when you're saying it in Russian, you're saying. My, my guy. My guy, yeah, yeah. Um, my understanding is that it's kind of generally quite widely used, but it sounds a little bit weird if you're like, I don't know, a 60-year-old 60 60 woman who is seeing a man of a similar age to her. Like, you could say it, but it sounds a bit odd. Well, that's because you normally don't... I think in any culture, you don't expect people your grandparents' age to be dating. Yeah, but people clearly do. Yeah, people who are that old, if they want to be dating, they should have the right to do so. Find happiness with somebody. Thank you <laughs> for that important clarification. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess similarly to, in to English, that sounds a bit weird saying boyfriend or girlfriend about people of that vintage. So yeah, that's basically what pardon means, like boyfriend so like we said it's a romantic comedy i haven't seen it have no idea i think the angel is probably of a literal variety i've never really heard of it no um came out in 2011 so it's getting on for 10 years old so we literally could have seen this on a date if we had been going to the cinema <laughs> at all when we were dating. We really did not do that very much no, we in didn't. Moscow. A lot of that, I guess, being a function of being English teachers. So, you know, normally in the evening when you feel like going to the cinema. Well, not even that. Like, your classes start mid-afternoon. So when you look yeah. at what when the movie times are, it often clashes. Yeah. So it can be difficult to go to a movie theater unless yeah. you go on Saturdays. Yeah. Or Sundays, and then it's often rammed. Yeah, yeah. So, so we did see a few things, but yeah, um, it was it was pretty pretty rare. Also, we we only typically went to see the things we really wanted to see, and a random Russian rom rom com, rather unsurprisingly, didn't make it to the top of the list. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that neither of us are like big, big rom-com fans, or am I... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll watch them because they're entertaining, if I want to be entertained, but I'm kind of like, do I really want to pay the extra expense of going to see this in a theater? Probably not. Yeah, there is... They're not typically the type of movie where I'm like, the big screen makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the kind of the spectacle mm -hmm. aspect. On the other hand, whilst they're visually not as impressive, sometimes with a comedy it's nice to see it with a live audience because you kind of get the like sense of a room full of people enjoying it, if it's good. I guess my experience with rom-coms is mainly... Well, like in high school, watching them with my friends. Hmm. So we enjoyed being able to talk about it and laugh through it and make comments and not have a theater full of people get angry at us for doing so. <laughs> so that's just a completely different theater experience. Like it, it was the social aspect as much as anything that mm -hmm. I enjoyed with them. Yeah. I think both of us have like, again, correct me if I'm wrong, fairly low schmaltz tolerances. <laughs> I don't know. I think as I've gotten older, so I've had less patience for some of the gender politics awful that goes on in can go on in rom coms. Yeah. Um and I've gotten a lot more analytical of how bad some of the relationships can be and how bad some of the dynamics 
can be that some of the women are expected to put up with mm. and call romantic. Yeah, I will refer the <laughs> refer you, dear listener, to uh, our uh, aforementioned previous festive episode, Irony of Fate, where you had a drastic reappraisal of that one, didn't you? Yeah, I did. But even things like The Notebook, like people telling me that I would just start sobbing watching it because of how romantic it was. And when I did finally start watching it, that beginning scene, not, it's not in the very beginning, but the way Ryan Gosling tra- gets um, what's-her-face to go out with him. Rachel McAdams. Okay, full disclosure, I haven't seen it. (laughs) Well, anyway, it's like, that's so manipulative, and that's awful, and why can't he just take no for an answer? She said no so many times, like, that's... And she's on a date with another guy, he's terrible. And so I'm expected to think that this is so romantic when he was completely disrespectful right from the start, and so I couldn't get into it and think that it was great. But persistence is noble, no, it's harassment. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, we've got ourselves into a slightly, like, negative we hate rom-coms. <laughs> but we don't, like, hate them as a genre, though, totally. No. I should have uh, prepared <laughs> you with this one in advance, so apologies if you're coming up with stuff off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, there are some romantic comedies or things that you could kind of shoehorn into the category that we do like is that fair to say yeah i guess so for example <laughs> well 10 things i hate about you i guess yes again um for long time listeners refer you back to the i think it was the anyegin episode where we had the dispute about <laughs> which is better 10 things i hate about you or or clueless obviously 10 things i hate about you but anyway anyway did you like uh when harry met sally yeah that was good I mean, there's some of the kind of, like, dodgy dynamics going on with that, but you kind of, I don't know, I think it sort of wins you over because Billy Crystal's character does change over time and it becomes less of a jerk. Well, and she also is like, nope, I don't want to date you or anything to do with you while you are a jerk. And it's like he has to change before she'll really give him the time of day. Yeah, I mean, she's... Happy to be sort of acquainted with him, but but it's very different to be acquainted or friends with somebody than it is to be in a romantic relationship, you know, potentially living with somebody. Oh yeah, yeah. So yes, <laughs> there are definitely, uh... and you can have different types of friendships. Like we can be friends because we're both into I don't know playing soccer and we're soccer buddies or running buddies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like I don't look to you for moral support and guidance whereas in a romantic relationship you do need to have more of your morals and your ethics and stuff lining up in order for the relationship to work yeah that is a very good point um other good like i'm gonna see if i can shoehorn the princess bride i mean it's not really a rom-com but it kind of is that is just an excellent movie no matter how you slice it and you should definitely watch it if you haven't already Mm mm-hmm I mean, it's obviously inconceivable that you wouldn't have watched it. Mm-hmm. I'm giving myself a round of applause for that. Um, yeah, so anyway, we should probably get on with the movie. Um, but before we do, uh, I thought it was worth pausing to note that uh, finally we're getting around to another film that is directed by a woman. So this film is directed by Vera Storojeva, who I think has directed about 12 films, and the most successful of which is a drama called Travelling with Pets, which won some like Russian awards. But yeah, I did want to kind of pause and apologise as we're up to episode 43 now, and this is literally the third film that we've covered that's directed by a woman, so... Apologies for that. I need to do better as we go on. But hey, this is at least a third. You're not even at 10% yet. I know, it's pretty dreadful. Part of this, though, is... um, And we were talking about this again. uh, I don't know whether it was today or... Mm -hmm. It was earlier. Yeah, so we were talking about this earlier today, is that you've got 
a couple of the most famous Soviet directors who were women, Larissa Shapitko and Kira Muratova, who were both Ukrainian. So I'm kind of like, uh, I think I'm going to take their films on a sort of case-by-case basis as to whether they're really eligible for the podcast, because I don't want to, like, insensitively just go, well, you know, Ukrainian, Russian, same difference, um, because that would be a very terrible, bad thing to do. So I'm not going to do that. Anyway, but they are, like, very well regarded, and I probably should have covered one of their films by now, but as I say, I've been sort of a little bit hesitant for that reason. Anyway, okay, so jumping from the director to the cast, the star of this film is Anna Starschenbaum, and if the surname's sounding a bit familiar, long-term listeners, that is because she is the cousin of Irina Starschenbaum, who was the star of uh, Attraction, which was the kind of, like, sci-fi romance kind of hybrid that we watched a little while back. So that's that. And the leading man is Artur Smolyaninov. I haven't seen him in anything before. And we've also got, in terms of other people that we've already seen on the podcast, we've got Sergei Puskepalis, who was the older of the two characters in How I Ended This Summer, which we also already covered right so those are the kind of like casting notes and stuff out of the way we should launch into the episode so what do we usually say at this point carrie payechali because because that's what yuri gagarin said but right before he was launched into space and it kind of means let's go all right so let's go then payechali just watched My Boyfriend is an Angel, directed by Vera Starajeva. And before we discuss what we thought of it, uh, we're just going to have a quick summary of the plot from Carrie. So if you haven't watched the film yet, there are going to be spoilers, so this is the time to watch the film. Although, (laughs) maybe don't. Over to you, Carrie. Before I start, our general review was that if Allie had taken me to see this movie while we were dating, we might not have gotten married because of how bad he would have demonstrated that his judgment is. To be fair, I wouldn't have known how bad the movie was to go in, you know? You could only go based off the reviews, and I haven't actually seen any Russian reviews of this, which would be interesting to look at after the fact. But, yeah. Um, (laughs) Neither of us liked it. Anyway. So, what happens then? It's kind of your standard rom-com in that, you know, you do any rom-com movie, boy and girl meet, they kind of have some misunderstandings in the beginning, and are they in a relationship, aren't they? Then they are in a relationship, then they fight and kind of break up, and then they get back together, and then there's some... There's some different plot points through it all, like the the girl has a best friend sidekick and some stuff happens with her. It follows that exact same formula that all rom-coms do, that we all have come to know and love. And all rom-coms have a slight twist that they're like, look, ours is different, you should fund us, you should make it. In this case, it's that the boy meets girl, that boy happens to be an angel. Indeed. Cool. Are you done? Yeah, that's really... There's not much deeper to the movie than that. <laughs> cool. Well, we've already kind of spoiled our own re- review by letting you know that neither of us liked it. I mean, in its defense, rom-coms, I think, are really difficult to translate across cultures because you're dealing with two different 
areas of life that are, can be very difficult to translate to different countries. You're dealing with comedy, which, you know, one culture can find something hilarious that another doesn't get. You're dealing with all kinds of references to other things. Like when we watch clips of, of American TV shows or comedy sketches or anything, like the most recent being there was a reference to Abbott and Costello's Who's On First sketch. You didn't get that reference. You didn't think the joke was funny. No, I mean... you didn't know it. I knew, I was vaguely aware that Abbott and Costello were an American comedy duo, but that is that was the extent of my my knowledge. So whereas your average American, like if you start doing some sort of who's on firsty type reference sketch something, you're gonna get it, then you're gonna get the joke. Ali didn't get it, Ali didn't get the joke, because he didn't grow up in the States. He didn't grow up consuming all of the culture in the same way. Yeah. I'm assuming there's a lot that's similar when we watch a Russian comedy and comedy movie. There is bound to be stuff that goes over our head. Now, with this movie, I could argue that the writing is shallow enough that there probably wasn't a lot that went over <laughs> our heads. Maybe. But we do need to leave the the chance that that could have happened. Yeah, and yeah, some room for benefit of the doubt. And I think... The other thing you were possibly also going to say was expectations, like, culturally about romantic relationships. Yes, that is exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, which can also be very different. So that might be part of the kind of lost-in-translation-ness. Also, in fairness to them, Hollywood often gets or portrays relationships very badly and is uh, holds up standards and says, this is great, when actually it's terrible. Yeah. So that that is not a uniquely Russian thing to do in movies. Yeah. The U.S. does it all the time. Yeah, uh, in your... So don't at me. <laughs> Nobody ever at me anyway, so I, I don't what? know why I'm saying that, but anyway. Well, you don't give out your Twitter handle. <laughs> I'm not exactly difficult to find. That's That's true. There aren't too many... Carrie Pitts is on Twitter, as far as I'm aware. Also, you interact with me, and your Roots Files Unite count, accounts interact with me on a relatively regular basis. So... A, a, a little bit. Anyway, in your summary, you touched upon tropey stuff. There, mm-hmm. We could explore that a little bit more. Yes. As in, Which like... Which trope? There were lots of them. Okay. Well, tropes that are similar to, like, Western rom-com tropes. Like, the one you really flagged up while we were watching it, was the giant apartments. Oh, yeah. So the, all of the main characters are uh, university students, with the exception of the angel boyfriend. Yes. Um, and, you know, there are, of course, periphery characters, but all students. So typically you have students are on student budgets, as in not very much. And they do reference things like scholarships, and in Russia, scholarships typically come or often come with sort of a cost of living grant as well Mm, that you would pay for food and your housing out of that so it's not solely for the tuition uh, fees the tuition fees Mm. which makes a lot of sense however these scholarships are not overly generous uh, meanwhile, the main character, Sasha, had this giant apartment off of Tverskaya Street, it looked to be. I think so. It was certainly... Like, she came out of the apartment onto the street to get a taxi to go take an exam, and you could see Red Square in the background. Yeah. Or, or that Red Squarish area, not ex- on to Red Square, but, like, yeah. we're, the we're... Kremlin was in the background. If you are a student, you would not be able to afford an apartment like that by yourself. Yeah. The only thing I thought about that is, like, potentially her family could have been, like, a relatively big deal in the Communist Party during the Soviet era and just, like... 
but had that was the a, apartment. It that, was it, it was renovated. Oh yeah, it was renovated. But I so mean, that, that was not but just Soviet. in terms of the location, though. True, but um, then you would have had to have had enough money to have renovated the thing. Yeah. Those were new windows. Oh yeah, the the bathroom was new. The kitchen was new. There was you would have had to have money. Had to have had money to put into that thing to fix it up like that yeah oh oh definitely so, definitely and there was another student apartment as well that they had their new year's party in that was also like how on earth like pretty palatial um mm -hmm. just to give some people some context uh, as far as like tverskaya where that is it would kind of be almost the equivalent of being a couple of streets away from the Houses of Parliament in London or being close to Times Square in New York, I guess. It'd be like Fifth Avenue in New York City. Mm, okay. Would be a good way to describe it. Like Main Street and like the most downtown, most central part of the Main Street of the most expensive city in whatever your country is that you're listening to this from. Yeah, yeah. So... so Seriously expensive. Yeah, they they have some money, but as it's only fair to point out, that is often it's a trope. A trope. Yeah. Like the amount of taxis that she takes, she never got. We never once saw a single character take the metro. I yeah, I don't think we did. There was absolutely nothing in the metro, which I can understand for movies because I imagine that for them to film in the metro, you'd have to create a set or something like that because you wouldn't be allowed mm. to actually film. In the metro, or that might raise production costs it, it, to try yeah, and do that. It might do. I I want to say the metro has fe featured in in films, but I couldn't tell you which one. But you'd have to oh, do yeah. it in the middle of the night and just get special permission. It would be it would be a logistical pain in the butt. It'd probably <laughs> be easier to do it on some sort of sound studio set, something or other. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, they would be great. On film, because well, apart from the more like sixties and seventies like bathroom tile metro stations, there is a lot of very attractive. Yeah, there's interiors. a lot of beautiful artwork and stuff in the metro. Yeah. But if you're just thinking about your average student and how your average student lives, they're not going to be just getting taxis here, there, and everywhere. No, they're going to be taking public transport. They do get a tram once. Yeah, but. Like, seriously? Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of... This is kind of slightly getting away from the tropey things, but while we're talking about cars, I thought I would raise Or budgets, it. rather. That, that's... It, it, you know, the whole budget thing is part yeah. of the trope. But anyway. Yeah. I was just going to flag up, like, a little cultural detail. The Migalki. Oh, yeah. So there... In Russia, there are these cars that have flashing blue lights on top of them. They aren't cops. They aren't ambulances. They aren't security services. Nothing like that. Basically, Migalki are different types of... In reference to the, that flashing blue light... It literally and, means something like blinker, doesn't it? Yeah, blinker. And high-ranking government officials or just people who can pay bribes in order to get one can get one of those. And then they can pass traffic and break laws in the same way that, say, a cop with a flashing lights and sirens would be able to in other countries. Yeah. Um I I want to say that there has been like a bit of a crackdown with those. Yeah, they don't hand them out like candy in the way that it seemed like they were for a while. For a while. There were some protests there and I, I for a while and I remember one really hilarious one. Oh, yeah. They would have ones where people would have bucket blue buckets on top of their heads and, like, and they would like step on or like stand on the cars so they couldn't go anywhere. And I remember seeing a clip on YouTube or something where the driver was angry and he got out and he pull, went to pull the bucket off this guy's head and he had another bucket underneath of it so that he still had a bucket, <coughs> blue bucket on his head. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I, I heard people also like would duct tape those blue buckets onto the top of their cars just to kind of like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To be like, this is how official and how much point there is to these things. Yeah. They are really a pain in the butt because so many... I, I can understand why you'd want to use one because traffic in Moscow is really, truly awful. Yeah. Um, Especially rush hour. 
especially rush hour. However, on the other hand, like you're trying to use this thing that you shouldn't be because you have no reason to need to get through traffic quicker aside from the fact that you don't want to be sitting in it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, um, where oh, do let's we even let's talk that? about uh, the other trope, the best friend. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think we should talk about her. So, for reference, again, the main character's name is Sasha. Uh, she's your standard beautiful, tall, thin actress that you would expect to take the lead role in, in a, a rom-com. Yeah, the, the only thing, the only kind of like concession to that to make her look more ordinary is that she has a kind of like, I wouldn't call it grungy, but it's... it Pixie hairstyle. Pixie hairstyle that's very kind of like dyed and just like pulled back and like it's just it's pixie hairstyle as opposed to super long hair yeah and she doesn't purposely dress sexy it's like jeans and a brown sweater yeah yeah she she looks like fairly believable as a student like how a student would dress in a lot of places yeah Mm -hmm. anyway so that's sasha main character best friend is valera was that so yeah best friend at least in Hollywood, the best friend is typically maybe not as pretty as the lead, hmm. but still Hollywood thin. Hmm. Here they have her be a woman who is not Hollywood thin. Let's just put it that way. And there's just different stuff that they do with her where it's like like very obviously saying that she's not as pretty and not as worth as much and just... They don't put her on the same level yeah. as Sasha. And that is very common in rom-coms, that the best friend is just kind of there in order to further the main character, as opposed to kind of standing on her own right. Yeah, well, and they do stuff like they'll kind of make sideways swipes at her weight. Like, she'll be like, oh, I'm really hungry. And then they'll be sitting around a table and she'll be like wolfing down some food and they'll just be sitting there. Well, no, it was like, so Sasha, Valera and the angel guy, they were going to... Seraphim. Seraphim, there we go. He They were all going to eat lunch Mm. after the exam and Valera, the fat girl, gets a full plate of food, which is a perfectly normal lunch where you have the meat and potatoes and veg and you see her eating it. Sasha has nothing. Like, she doesn't even have a cup of tea. It's not even like she has a salad that she kind of picks at, but you don't really see her eat it just because the focus is the dialogue and the filming. Yeah. She literally has nothing in front of you. So it's like the fat girl eats, the thin girl doesn't. Yes, yeah, I should say. It's not like she is, like, chowing down. It's the fact that she's eating and they're not kind of makes mm-hmm. it look like she's doing that, is what yeah. I meant there. Yeah, because she, yeah. Yeah, she's not wolfing food down. It's like, this is a normal lunch. And if you yeah. eat, especially if you eat your main meal of the day at lunch, it's like, that's really, like, maybe you'd even want a bit more than what she took. But, like, it's just... Well, as we're talking about... Like no, fair enough. As we're talking about a problematic element of the film, and maybe we should have talked about this earlier... But we probably need to now discuss the most super problematic and gross aspect of this movie. The racism. Oh yeah. And it has, it doesn't have, it, it has like different kinds of racism. So the, there's I mean, a... all racism is racism, but it's like racism to different groups of people. Yeah. Like it, even when it tries to be not racist, it doesn't deal with it well. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So well, going back to the scene where Sasha Valera and Seraphim, the angel boyfriend, are all eating lunch after the mm-hmm. exam, uh, outside of the cafe, they see a couple of guys starting to beat up a black guy, and Valera runs out to be, to try and save him and say they, those guys can't do that. Shouldn't beat up the black guy. And good for Valera. Like, that shows courage, and that's great. And clearly, you know, you're having good persons say, hey, don't beat up the black guy. Says something about what the movie stands for. Yeah, don't be racist. Yeah, don't be racist. Beating up black people is not a good thing. Obviously. Um, However, then they... When Seraphim comes out... 
they decide that the punishment for the guy who beats him up should or, be that. Oh, this is how it how it kind of reads. No yeah. one ever uses the term. Yeah, the main uh, aggressor who's yeah. beating up the black guy. They decide that and he will then have black skin. Yeah, yeah. So then you have this guy effectively in blackface. Mm-hmm. And he's very upset about this, which I guess was kind of like the point. But it's super, super misjudged and gross. Especially since they don't resolve that plot point no. later on. Like, there are a couple of other very minor plot points that get resolved later in the movie. The blackface guy, he does show up later, but it never gets for comedy effect. Mm-mm. But it doesn't get resolved in a learning arc nothing yeah but even if you were gonna do that like and just to be clear i don't think you should do that that shouldn't be a plot point but they could have like recast the guy as like a black actor and it just be clear from context that he has transformed into into a black guy i don't know I it would it, still it would still be bad. Like I really want to flag this up, but at least it wouldn't be like blackface. I, no, I think. The I pro- don't know. Like the movie does not have strong writing anyway, mm, mm. so I can't imagine how they would have dealt with this aspect well. Yeah, uh, just because yeah. it's not just strongly and insightfully no, written. No. But, this yeah. isn't something like Ten Things I Hate About You, which I love, which has really snappy dialogue, or... Not as good as Clueless. Or even Clueless, where there is <laughs> stuff where there's... Okay, yeah, the lead person is awful, but there is some insight. She she mm. has some realizations that redeem her by the end because she tries to improve and get better. Mm-hmm. Like There's mm-hmm. stuff with the writing there, there's stuff with the character development that you're like, okay, this is good. My boyfriend is an angel. Doesn't really have any of that. Yeah, but to be fair, in the writing, in the character arcs, in it just yeah. To be to be fair, uh, my boyfriend is an angel. Is not working from you know an original <laughs> idea by William Shakespeare or Jane Austen. So <laughs> no, um, yes. But you could have a character arc. Yes. I don't think there are any. No, no. But yeah, back to the racism. It was it was just a bad idea to have a character turn black yes it was and i think we both assumed that like later on this guy would like encounter some racist abuse himself and be like oh this is really unpleasant maybe i shouldn't do this to other people but like no he just disappears some other people trying to beat up a black guy and step in and help No. no no he just disappears and we just assume well he he's just like in permanent blackface for the rest of his life now i guess um, well, yeah, it's like we can't laugh at him anymore, so he serves no point in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so a quick editor's note here. Apparently we nodded off and totally missed a short bit of dialogue where Sasha asks Seraphim, so will he be black forever? And Seraphim answers, well, that depends on him. Which I'm really not sure improves matters whatsoever. Anyway, spotted it, so I thought I would just drop that in. So that was that was like gross and and bad. And I mean, it's not the first time we've encountered this in Russian movies, but yeah, it's. Um, I mean, on the other hand, I thought it was interesting that they even had. They portrayed a racist attack happening in Moscow in a like mainstream Russian film. Like you could say, it's quite honest that they did that, like because it is genuinely something that happens. And that yeah, if you are black in Russia, you are less safe. I mean, that's just a very sad fact of life. It is, but on the other hand then the black guy that's getting beaten up is a Nigerian prince or something like oh, that and yeah. then starts dating Valera. Yeah. So it's like and with his accent and stuff it's very exaggerated. Like it's just Oh yeah, it's He's bad. a very flat one-dimensional character. Yeah, they don't give him anything to do. Yeah, it's ju- it's 
it's not handled well. It's no. not written well. You could have it be in there as an interesting point. It's just a side story. And it's 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 bad. It's bad and gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we've discussed the racism towards black people but that's not the only group that this film is uh, racist about uh so it's very common in russia to have street sweepers shovelers etc who are from central asia clearing snow yeah like former soviet republics right and they have one of those guys clearing snow and chipping away ice in, outside of Sasha's apartment building. And the way that he talks with his exaggerated accent, the way that he's treated as if he's not very smart, like it's just, he's well, there for laughs, and you're kind of supposed to be laughing at him in part because of where he's from and yeah, who he is, as opposed to... He's buffoonish, and while Seraphim is nice to him, there's just this kind of like, there's this very patronizing like paternalistic like oh bless you know you're a not very smart person i felt really bad for that actor having to play like quite a demeaning role it's the same thing as with the black guy it's like here's a stereotype one-dimensional trope that i'm just gonna throw in there for laughs and to in some way play off of or highlight the characters that i think are more worth it yeah yeah, it's... It's badly written. Yeah. I know I keep repeating, it's badly written, <laughs> but it does need to be emphasized that the writing is not good. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say, the film opens, I thought, really well. I think the directing is the only thing that got us through to the end. Yeah, uh, full disclosure, we actually had to watch this in two shifts, because we got an hour in and it's only basically a 90 minute movie we got an hour in and we're just like we cannot be doing with this we need to come up for air and that was even with wine (laughs) yes um god only knows how long we would have made it through sober (laughs) yeah but yeah the the opening scene is is really nice in terms of the like the cinematography and even like the idea is kind of kind of cool for context the entire movie happens on new year's eve day yes there's some stuff like that that doesn't make sense like why would you be having a new a university exam on new year's eve day that is that a good would point. not ever 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 happen yeah um however that gives you the time of year you have all of the snow you have all of the lights and i know Russia gets stereotyped as having these cold, long, dark, miserable winters. But Moscow turns into this fairy tale wonderland around New Year's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they already have the gingerbread, beautiful churches, and then you put a layer of snow on top of them, and then these beautiful light displays all over the streets, and it is gorgeous. Yeah, and when you're in central Moscow, you have the older nicer buildings mm-hmm, and also mm-hmm. the the like soviet era buildings from the time where it was kind of like stalinist gothic and kind of like we're putting on a show visually here and you have all of that lit up and then not that this happens every year because you can have like unseasonably mild weather but they have snow as well and you have all the light reflecting off that and it's really, really pretty. It has to be very unseasonably warm. Because in Moscow, at that oh, time yeah. of year, you're talking like negative 10 or something. Negative yeah. 15, sometimes even negative 20. Yeah, but you can have it hovering around f- freezing also. And, and it can like be slushy and Yeah, gross. but usually... Usually not, but... And New Year's, you're talking Celsius negative 20. That's not. That's probably the more probably negative the more standard negative yeah. twenty during the day or negative eighteen during the day, negative twenty five at night. Yeah, yeah, that would be more usual. But you do get so like, that's cold enough to have more than cold enough to have snow. Yeah, I, I don't know whether you have this in in the states, but sometimes people in the UK say, "Oh, it's too cold to snow." It's like, well, you've never been to Russia then. Um, 
Yeah, they'll say, oh, it's too cold to snow, and it's like negative five Celsius, which is something like 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. It's like, oh, sweetie, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> this is so adorable how stupid you are. <laughs> That's you a little can't... bit mean, but, <laughs> but yeah. Um... Considering how people sometimes treat me as a foreigner in the UK... I think if the only thing I do in return is think that they're stupid when they're talking about snow, I'm probably okay. Yeah, yeah. And actually, like, jumping back to the whole racism thing, I feel like we should have also said that from a country point of view, we don't want to come across as if we're saying, like, oh, racism is a problem that Russia has. I'm glad we don't have that in the UK or the US. We're fine. Clearly, Neither of our countries is fine if you've been following, like, recent events at all. So it's just, it's in this movie, so we have to talk about it. As we're recording this and as we watched it, we're in the midst of the whole Meghan Markle, Harry leaving the UK thing. So that's brought a lot of those themes up into the news and to the forefront of our minds as we watched the movie. True, but... So that, there is that slight element of current events going on as well. There and that is. is also then evidence in the UK press of how yeah. people treat each other and see one another here. Who... Yes, yes. But there is also who is currently Prime Minister and what he has said and the fact that lots of people in the UK are fine about that. So... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that... And, you know, I'm from the States. But I I think it is also worth pointing out that occasionally stuff happens that it, it comes to the forefront of the news cycle and the forefront oh, yeah. of the mm-hmm. national consciousness. Um, and yeah. right now is one of those moments. Yes, yes. But yeah, I just wanted to reiterate, we're not being like, Russia, bad and racist. The West, fine and not racist. It's clearly a a big problem everywhere. Uh, I think we've beaten this horse to death. <laughs> okay, so we've talked at length about how bad it is. Was there anything you liked about it? No. Literally nothing. <laughs> well, kind of... Going back to what I was saying with the winter stuff, like, the way that the director shot Moscow, the way that Mm. she filmed things, the way she set stuff up, that was fine. Mm. And we even especially talked about the opening credits and the way things were set up. It was set up to be, like, winter fairy tale, wonderland. Like, that was perfectly fine. It's once the characters started opening their mouths and talking, you got to know who they were. That it's like, there's, I don't like anything about these people. Mm-hmm. And or the dialogue or anything like that. Yeah. Like the, especially the main character. I found nothing redeeming about her at all. Yeah, and it was kind of interesting with her, like, lack of arc is... And again, going back to, like, Western tropes, this can happen in Western rom-coms as well. But she starts out very cynical and very fed up that this kind of, like, weird guy has turned up and is kind of making a nuisance of himself. But then suddenly, like, about halfway through the runtime, a switch flips and he's the best thing ever and she's really attracted to him. I think it's basically because she smells him. Like, because they get in close at some, like... Like, I think... Is is it at the ice rink that that happens? Or is it in the shopping centre? it's slightly more gradual because they have this one part where they're just staring at each other as if they're supposed to be in love when they're... uh, somebody's shooting them for a commercial. Oh, like, that's just right. just grabs them off the street, and that's what starts it, and then... Yeah, okay, fair enough. But there, but it is... It's, it's still it's not... It's cheesy, it's clunky, it's not well-written. It's worth pointing out, though, uh, I thought it was interesting that the advert that's being shot is directed by a woman. I wonder whether that was the director being like, this is going to be directed by a woman. Maybe. Um, and she comes across as very competent but also like just kind of having having a frustrating day and look and a kind of like yeah look let's just get this over with which is kind of how I feel about this episode to be honest um Mm -hmm. there was a couple of funny moments I thought like there was one that was a linguistic one which if you 
live in Russia for any length of time, you'll come across is the the apparent ambiguity about the word Razdvayetsa. So it has a much broader range than like equivalents in in the UK. So in the in the UK or in the US, if it's cold, it's winter, you have you might have coats. You might say to somebody, "Oh, you know, get your coat off." Like hang it up, whatever, when somebody's coming in, in the house. The thing about the Russian word is that it can literally mean undress. Like, Which, when the... you consider how cold it is there, that makes a bit more sense. Because yes. when you think consider how many layers you're probably taking off, you are almost undressing. <laughs> yeah, it can feel that way. Yeah, it can mean take off your coat, and it can mean, like, take everything off. So, of course, uh, this angel character being very new to Earth, misinterprets this, and I thought that was, like, marginally funny. Yeah, he asks if he should take his shirt off, too, as opposed to just his coat and shoes. Yeah. But it's just, it's like... And she's like, no, you weirdo. And there's stuff like that that happens throughout the movie that's supposed to be ha, 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 he doesn't quite get how humans live. Yeah. And it just, it was never... And maybe this is cultural, maybe if you are Russian it is more funny, but it, it was just meh. Yeah, I, I thought... It wasn't that good. It reminded me of, like, kind of some classic fish-out-of-water type gags. To be honest, it reminded me a bit of Elf, if Elf wasn't funny. Because you have all that stuff about Buddy coming to New York and just not understanding how things work and then and then behaving really, really inappropriately but there you have Will Ferrell who yes I realize can be a bit of a you like him or you don't but he's bringing a lot of energy to that role whereas yeah Will Ferrell is clearly a much better actor and comedian than the the lead guy was in this movie he was just sort of bland he was just kind of there yeah yeah um, it was like he was trying to emote without emoting or doing anything or changing his voice or do, like just Buddy the Elf has energy and part of why he's doing things so wrong is because he's coming with this abundance of energy to situations that do not call for it whatsoever like drinking a cup of coffee whereas the Seraphim the Angel is just kind of like mildly confused and it it just doesn't work in the same way yeah 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 he's just a bit bland and a bit flat um Mm -hmm. okay we should talk about the rubbish men in this film like besides seraphim being kind of a bit flat he's not yet i mean that's more of i didn't like the character as opposed to him seraphim as a person behaving horribly or being rubbish or treating people terribly yeah um he's fine the dad is fine yes his dad is fine but you have like two other male characters that sasha interacts, interacts with. with i think one is horrible on purpose and then the other one is kind of horrible on purpose but the film kind of implies that uh, that Sasha should just kind of get over it. At least that's kind of what her friends say. So, for context, very early on in the in the film, she's like skyping or some kind of video chatting with him, and then which one? Y- y- oh, sorry, uh, with Rodion, who is like at that at that moment is her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I thought Rodion was another guy. Another editor's note. Carrie was quite right. I did screw this up. Sasha's cheating boyfriend is called Valeric, and the other guy, who I will soon label the incelly guy, is Kolya. So just thought I would clear that up. Um, so they're having a bit of a catch-up because they're far away, and then suddenly a female butt and legs walk past. Um... <laughs> The well, camera. no, you see everything except for her face. Like, you see her from behind, and all she's wearing is a pair of red underwear. Yeah, and Sasha, understandably, is like, uh, what the heck's going on here? 
And he's like, uh, it's my cousin. Which is about the least believable thing yeah, ever. And cousins th- don't walk around in front of one another nearly naked. No, no, they do not. So that later leads to a slightly funny line where Valera says, oh, who was this girl? And Sasha says, well, I can't recognise someone from their underwear, which... Yeah, but the fact that we're we're able to name the one or two funny lines should tell you about how many funny lines there were. Yes, yes. I'm just saying that there were an occasional, like, funny moment. So the boyfriend in general, you know, they set him up from the beginning to be awful because, like, oh, this guy cheats on her. Yeah. However, towards the end, everyone's like, you should get back together! It's like, no, he's a jerk. Like, he he doesn't even say sorry to her anywhere in the conversation. He basically says, you're overreacting. It's no big deal. Yeah. Uh, Why do you have to be like this? Yeah. There's no, I take responsibility for my actions and I'm planning on changing and not lying to you anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's no, like, we had an agreement to have a non-exclusive relationship and we're just doing that. It's pretty clear she her expectations of the relationship are one way and he's just like, well, I should be able to do what I want. Um, but then we've also got the other, other character who is kind of like incel-y and I think sort of, not that that would be the term used in 2011 maybe, but he is like deliberately like obnoxious and we're meant to think that he's obnoxious. Yeah, but Sasha is awful towards him. Yeah. So basically, as soon as she has this video chat with her boyfriend and breaks up with him, she still needs a date to go to her New Mm, Year's party. And she calls him and is like, hey, do you want to be my date? And he's like, you're only asking me because you can't go with your boyfriend. That This is really selfish. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't treat people this way. And up until that point, I'm with him. And Sasha is rolling her eyes at him. But Mm. really... Like, her behavior is not very nice. She's not being kind in the way she's treating this guy who she knows has a crush on her. Mm. And she's figuring, oh, well, I can just get a date, whatever, that I want. Then the the guy flips into the whole stuff where he starts saying things about women about that aren't very nice. Yeah, I don't remember the specifics, but it's kind of like, ugh. This is is why I was kind of describing him as, like, the incel-y guy. Yeah, he just starts saying things. It's just like, yeah, you're not... Yes, Sasha shouldn't be treating you this way, but you're no prize yourself. Exactly. And, And I thought that was kind of like, maybe, like, slight commentary on how guides can be particularly given that this is a movie directed by a woman mm-hmm. um but yeah okay um before before we wrap things up there were a couple of nostalgia things which predisposed me to want to like this film and that happened very early on which are maybe okay. kind of dumb the first one is like very early on we see a shot of the uh Pavlietsky tower which is basically like it's a tall, like, office building. Maybe it's not, like, calling it a skyscraper is slightly overstretching it because it's not that big. But I was like, oh, the Pavlietsky Tower, because for about four months I actually taught a in-company class. An English class. An English class. At a company. Yes, yes, which we would refer to as an in-company class. Uh, yes, important clarification mm-hmm. there. So, and then the other thing is they had uh, the bridge by the Trechikov Gallery, which has these trees. Basically, like many countries, Russia does have the tradition of when you get married, you put a lock on the bridge. Yeah. And there were so many, and on specific bridges, and there were so many locks on this bridge that it was starting to cause structural problems just from the weight it was adding. Mm. And then all of the problems of having to cut all of these locks over and over again. So their way of solving it was they put these kind of metal tree things on the bridges and then you would put your lock on that tree. And then when a tree got filled up, they would take that tree off and put it along the riverbank and put a new tree for people to put more locks on, which I thought was a very good solution. Yeah. And people... Gen- there were some people who still put the lock on the bridge itself. <laughs> Just as a sort of like, <laughs> a yeah. kind of screw you to authority, like, I'll do what I want. Yeah, but most people did use the trees, and I thought like that was a really 
a really good compromise or good creative way of, of solving this. So yeah. then seeing that bridge with the locks on it, the yeah. two locks. Yeah, I thought it was a nice detail that they that they included it. And mm-hmm. I mean... Although it does mean that this walk that the angel makes in the beginning is a bit wide-ranging, meandering, and not straightforward. Because it's like, he's in this part of the city, and now he's in that part of the city, and now he's in the other part of the city, and why would you walk in that way? And that is an intense walk. Yeah. Well, I guess he didn't have a a smartphone with with maps. Um, True. But in this whole opening sequence, he bumps into an old lady, and... She mm. kind of like yells at, not exactly yells at him, but like mildly chastises him for the fact that he doesn't, he's not wearing a, a hat and has like snow on his head. And I was kind of like, yeah, that feels very familiar because I would apparently underdress for for the weather on occasion just because I tend to run quite hot and Allie's, I would be comfortable. Ali's superpower is being the human radiator. just for reference yeah so often i feel hot and if i like wore more layers or did up my coat and i'm in a hurry i will not i will be sweaty and uncomfortable so i don't but apparently this is unacceptable to uh, women of a certain age and not necessarily always women i I remember i remember it happened with a man in the in the lift in our building one time he was just like aren't you cold and i was like no no i'm fine he was like suit yourself uh so like i said ali yeah. is the human radiator yeah in the summer i wish we almost wish we had separate beds because sometimes it's just bad. <coughs> yeah yeah um yes i will admit that so so yeah i quite like that i also thought it was interesting that when he first lands, he speaks to people in English, and then he's like, and people answer back to him in Russian, obviously, and then he's like, oh, okay, I'm in Russia, interesting, and then he's in Russian for the rest of the movie, but I just thought that was like a a weird kind of random detail, like a Russian film is somehow <laughs> acknowledging that English is like the, the international lingua franca, which I thought was... Uh, like again a slightly surprising mm-hmm. detail also there was some i think that but you mentioned those moments and i think that's why we were predisposed to like it in the beginning yeah they were like oh yeah this we did have these moments in russia oh yeah, yeah. these places that were like and then although it went downhill yeah although you have emphasized just how bad the movie is i think there's like good like 15 minute or 10 minute short in there that mainly is the beginning bit Mm -hmm. and like we said visually it looks very nice i did want to quickly mention the credits which were funny not funny because they did something wrong but just funny in a like post infinity war context because they're basically meant to be snow that disappears (laughs) but it does very much look like stuff disintegrating so that was just a random funny thing i wanted to mention because it just you know this is a movie from 2011 i think so it's not the movie's fault but it was just kind of like thanos um (laughs) such a nerd it's like a don't want to say missed opportunity, but just like it had stuff, some stuff going for it, but it's, yeah. Anyway, anything. To... I don't think it had anything going for it, but I think I've made that perfectly clear throughout this podcast. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Final note before we go probably the easiest way to find this movie would be on, I think it's the site Soviet movies online which is where i got it and the subtitles were not good no there were clearly some things that were not translated very well like at one point the when the boyfriend is trying to explain away who the girl in the red underwear is at one point he says she's my cousin she's my cousin and then at another point he's like that was my sister and Mm. that was a mistranslation it's supposed to be like the word for cousin in russian 
female cousin is second sister, basically. Yeah, essentially. So that was clearly a mistranslation of second sister into just sister. Yeah. So th- there's like little moments like that where it would cause confusion because the subtitles are not quite yeah correct well and then the other thing is the quote-unquote swearing oh Um, yeah in the subtitles okay so sasha says bleen quite a lot which literally means pancake but is a common russian euphemism that where you might have used it'd be like saying fudge in english exactly or sugar Mm -hmm. yeah but the movie subtitles translates it as actual swear words which was just like face palming and just being like no that's bad because it it comes across from the subtitles like she's swearing like a sailor which is (laughs) no she's basically saying oh fudge oh sugar like she's saying that or like or like milder stuff like oh crap yeah yeah um which is like perfectly normal but it's kind of like this movie in the uk with properly translated subtitles if you got rid of the blackface, would be like a 12, probably a PG, to be honest. But the amount of supposed swearing you get from the subtitles, it'd be like, this is a 15 because everyone's... It would be an R in the States just because of the amount of F-bombs. In Supposedly. The Supposed F-bombs in the subtitles. Yeah. But it's, that's not... That's not. So... It's not as sweary. It's yeah. mistranslated. Yeah. So if you're... Don't watch it with small kids unless you feel like having to explain what certain words mean. Yeah, yeah. So I thought we should flag that up as just a bit of kind of like housekeeping. Right. Well, I think that's it for the episode. Clearly, neither of us really recommend this film. No. Thank you very much, Carrie, for (laughs) suffering through it with me. I appreciate... You're welcome. I appreciate you coming on and bringing some (laughs) insight... Um, Some derision. Yeah, yeah. All right. Das Vidanya, folks. Das Vidanya. So that's it for this episode. Before I go, a huge thanks to Sasha Ilyukovich and the Highly Skilled Migrants for the use of their song Cold in our shiny new intro. If you'd like to hear more from them, then you can find them on Bandcamp and Spotify. While I'm thanking people, also huge, huge thanks to Sol Sonsa for her amazingly generous review on Podchaser, which reads, What I like about this podcast is that you get film reviews, but you also get an interview of the special guest, who usually has a connection of their own to Russia. This, and the variety of guests, means you get some interesting insights into the films, life in Russia, and the former Soviet Union. Thanks again, Sol. As I'm sure you're all aware, podcasts like this one really do depend on listener support to keep going, so if you can spare a few minutes to review the show that really helps as far as making it findable for other possible listeners and that's it for this month i'll talk to you again soon bye for now might edit around this yeah anyway <laughs> so if you're editing around this i want some goldfish okay yeah but this means it's going to be quite a long pause because i have to wait until you've finished crunching so delicious. i know it's delicious but i think we're going to put that this back over here until we've finished my snacks